how do you expect someone to successfully run a licensed legal dispensary if they've never been inside one before? This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Anne Berkutza, Head of Strategic Partners in Industry Relations at Dutchie. Anne, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to dive in. Kellen, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, excited to talk to Anne. Excited to learn about Dutchie. More excited to try to hold the West Coast down. You know yeah, I mean? that's that's right. And uh, and just to get right into it, we've got an East Coast West Coast battle. But I think mm-hmm. today it's very important to understand where does your heart lie. <laughs> well, my heart lies in New York. <laughs> so sorry, Kellen. Although I will say it's like here, Colorado is that really West Coast? Because I'm I'm originally from Vancouver, Canada. Like you know, BC, Cali, like. That's like truly West Coast. I, I think so, but it's tough because like you talk to someone, you could say Midwest, but you talk to mm-hmm. someone from Chicago and they're like, absolutely not. Chicago's the no. Midwest, Ohio, Michigan, Colorado, I think is, is West Coast. So, I think you all need to have your own category. Colorado, Colorado, Colorado actually is, is near and dear to my heart too, because I will tell you one thing. Like when I first started in the industry, the very first big account I ever closed was a little company called Native Roots uh, in Colorado. Uh, and then it also resulted in me um, getting getting a Native Roots tattoo to close the deal. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so, true story, true story. So I don't have a New York tattoo yet. So I mean, you know, yet. I'm Michael, so I don't like to discriminate. I appreciate that. I yeah. guess then let's just kind of dive right in. So yeah. how did you get into the cannabis space and give a little background about yourself? So a bit about my background and just like in general, and I, I think that like anyone who's in the cannabis industry has this feeling where I've always wanted to be part of something like bigger than myself. And I think, you know, I, I sense that from you all with like the content that you create and, and the stories that you like to tell too. Um, but but a bit, if we go like way, way back, a bit about my background. Um, so I'm I'm technically a Canadian citizen working on my visa to get to New York. Um, but I was born in a, a tiny Muslim country uh, in Southeast Asia called Brunei, uh, mostly known for the oil, the Sultan of Brunei. Like he used to be one of the richest men in the world, I think, before before Bill Gates, I, I think. Um, and and so the dominant language and and um, the population there is is Malay. So I'm I'm mostly Chinese. Um, so when I was born, my parents moved to Canada to give me a chance of equal opportunity. And being like, if I had stayed in Brunei and being Chinese and not Malay, it's like, there's just a sense of being like a second class citizen and not really in like a mean, like race kind of way, but just, it's like, oh, you're in like a Malay country, you're Chinese, of course, like you'll get treated differently. And like one example that I remember that like my mom always told me was like, oh, the reason why we moved is like, let's say if you were applying for a job and you were like extremely qualified and there's a Malay person that's maybe not as qualified, like you probably wouldn't get the job because you're not Malay, right? And then just like the the sense of equal opportunity and just being so grateful that like being in Canada, being in North America, being in New York, just having that chance of, of equal opportunity. And and I think that that's really the reason why I'm so drawn to the cannabis industry, um, because you know just when you look at the cannabis industry, like we are constantly striving for like cannabis retail to be treated equal and have the same opportunities and succeed like the rest of the retail industry. So like that's really always been my north star. Where I I believe that my path in this world is to do good through inspiring others and striving for equal opportunity. And, and that's what, what gets me up at night. And that's why I love the cannabis industry so much. I appreciate you sharing that. I think you can really see that clear connection between kind of like your, your background and then like your role at Dutchie. And just for our listeners that may be unfamiliar about Dutchie, can you give a high level overview about Dutchie and then kind of the role it plays in the cannabis space? Yeah, absolutely. So our mission at Dutchie is to write to provide safe and easy access to cannabis. We do that all through our 
client all in one dispensary tech platform. So we provide point of sale, e-commerce, payments, uh, compliance state traceability reporting, which is super important. We've even started providing insurance now. Essentially everything you need to run a compliant license legal dispensary operation. So that's what we do on paper, but I like to feel like we're, you know, we're kind of like the connector. So it's like if you want to open up a dispensary and, you know, yes, you need your software, but because like your point of sale is just like so core and like the heart and soul of, of your retail operations, people tend to come to us to be like, oh, you know, like I need like a lawyer or an accountant or like shelving. <laughs> so we, we tend to be this like hub of information. And a lot of like my colleagues um, and people on our implementation and support team, they actually used to be dispensary operators as well. So we just have this like melting pot of like really great like information and resources that we can provide our clients as well. And we just are genuinely super passionate about the industry. Why does uh, the cannabis industry need its own point of sale kind of all-in-one platform? Why can't we just use like a restaurant one? Could you kind of walk through some of the nuances required in the industry? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked, Kelly. <laughs> that is probably the number one question that we get. Um, so I brought it up before, like when it comes to state traceability uh, and compliance. Um, so for example, if you have like a regular like restaurant or like regular retail point of sale system, you buy like a t-shirt, you bring that t-shirt in and then off you go. So in cannabis, in cannabis retail, there's compliant things to be aware of, such as purchasing limits, being able to purchase only a certain amount or allowing the sale of a certain amount to happen in a certain day for per consumer. There's also equivalencies. So for example, if you are purchasing a beverage and that beverage is 250 mils, but there's like 24% THC, like the purchasing limits, that's translated into dried cannabis equivalent. So like, what does that equivalency, how does that happen? And then when it comes to like taxes, And then there's just like certain traceability reports and integrations into the state traceability system um, that other point of sale systems, like non-cannabis point of sale systems, they just don't handle at all. So that's, you know, you really, really need a cannabis specific point of sale system to, to run your retail operations so you don't risk losing your license. Are some of those rules state by state? And is the software come pre-programmed? For example, if I'm a new retailer, how am I supposed mm-hmm. to know about these limits? Do I have to read all these rules and regs and then go into the software and configure this? Or, is, or does Dutchie play a vital role in helping someone that's new kind of get off the ground? Yeah, we do We do it all for you. And I wish it was the same state by state. Oh, I wish no. so. Even when, I mean, like Kelly, you're in Colorado. So Colorado is a, a metric state, right? So like the color, the, the fun part is, is that the Colorado version of metric is like different than the California version of metric, which is definitely different than the biotrack version in New York that is actually still being configured and built. So it's definitely different state by state. I feel really grateful at Dutchy. We have a full stack like compliance team and a government relations team. We believe that it's, you know, we're stronger together, right? So we work directly with the regulators and, you know, everyone likes to hate on the regulators, but they just, you know, they're just doing their job. And, you know, most of the time they, they kind of just like fell into that role. Like nobody wakes up in the morning being like, I want to be <laughs> the like, regulator for, for New York County, like the OCM, like kudos to them. They've got a really tough job. They've done amazing work. Like the, the fact that they've been able to be so accessible and they show up in person for these CCB meetings where there's like a, a live public commenting period. Are you kidding me? It's like, I've never seen anything like that ever before in any state. Kellen, I don't know if you saw it in Colorado back in the day, but like New York, y'all don't know how lucky you are. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. It's definitely an incredibly challenging role and understanding that you're trying to provide safe, clear guidelines, but also the need to be accessible to the public to help explain those guidelines. Because one of the things that we've seen state by state, is that cannabis Mm -hmm. has all of these, let's call them surprising, unknown, silly rules and regs, which just make the whole thing a little more complicated. So 
in New York, exactly. In New York, example, someone got a license. They're going to open up a dispensary. They contact Mm -hmm. Dutchie and say, "Hey, and really excited, just want a license. Where do I go from now? Is that is that kind of how the process works, or do you get integrated in a little later down the road?" I guess it depends, right? And that's where there's like the power of partnerships, right? It's all about, I mean, I'm sure you know, Brian, it's like, especially in New York, it's all about like who you know, and there's a lot of trust, right? So at the end of the day, it's like at Dutchie, we sell software. We're not the only company that sells compliant software, but I think where we stand out is that we really show up for the cannabis community. We've been in New York specifically like for a number of years now. We're very familiar with how New York rolled out in the medical space. And then we work with over 6,000 dispensaries all across North America. And like that level of experience, there's just nothing like that too. So when, so going back to your question, being like, okay, I got a license. It's like, okay, that's great. So in New York specifically, there's, there's certain things that you need, right? It's like, do you have, like, do you have your space picked out yet? Um, has it been approved by the OCM? Because there's like there's a process for that too. I learned that I say process as a Canadian, and I've been like shamed for saying it. So I I, I really <laughs> I think like process now. Okay, so there's a whole process for that. So it's like okay, and and you don't really want to get someone onboarded with the software too early as well too. So there's there there is a certain sequencing. It's like you want to make sure that they've got. Like, you know, that you have your real estate, that it's been approved by the OCM. It's also been approved by DASNY, uh, which is the Dormitory Authority of New York. And then we also want to make sure that, you know, you've hired your staff because like the person that will be training on the software, we want that person to be the person who's ultimately going to run the store and not necessarily like the owner or the operator who's maybe like not in the store. Or day to day, so so we got we pair you up with an implementation specialist. Um, more often than not, like they used to either work at a dispensary or own their own dispensary, so they know exactly what you're going through. And then after they we launch you, it's it's really like it's the post launch stuff, right? Because I I think it's like when you're in the sales cycle and even in the implementation cycle, you're still kind of like dating, right? But after we launch you, that's when it's like. Shit gets real. It's like now, now we're married. <laughs> now yeah. we're stuck with one another. Post honeymoon um, phase. Exactly. But luckily, like at Dutchie, like we've got a really great support team. We've got a great customer success team. We've got over a hundred people like on the team. And so at the end of the day, it's like I feel really grateful being at Dutchie because we have we have the infrastructure to support you, not just from a software standpoint, but from like a, a team and a, a people standpoint point because when shit goes sideways and we're in software and we're in cannabis so it's not if it's like when it's like we're we're set up to be there to support you when things get a bit hairy so dutchie's been around for a quick minute so 17 which so is wait, it's a long time so yeah it's like a century in cannabis right yeah. yes <laughs> correct um and so as new states come online or have come online what are some of the items that you guys have learned from like a rolling out duchy with new states and how have those been applied to some of the newer states now? Like some of the lessons, well, learned, if you will. It's really funny. So uh, I just came back from Minnesota, like August 1st uh, was Minnesota legalization. Saw Jesse Ventura. So like that, that's Very like cool. a moment <laughs> right cool. there. And I'll use Minnesota as an example because they are the most recent like new new market that that is turning on um, for adult use. And we're lucky enough to be there, be part of the celebrations and I think what's really interesting about Minnesota, and maybe it's just a Minnesota thing, but like they really, really want to learn what every single state, like how every single state has ruled out um, everything from, you know, all the different licensing types to um, how like the social equity and like priority licensing has been done. And so we've been lucky enough where like Minnesota has been looking to Dutchie to be like, oh, like how has your experience been? Um, So I think like as new markets roll out, you know, they are going to be like Minnesota. And you saw a bit of it in New York where, you know, they've taken the time to look and see how other states have rolled out, um, really have that context and really be like thoughtful about it, maybe not like rush uh, everything. 
Um, one thing that is really interesting about Minnesota is that they did create a new category type where there's, I mean, you've got your MSOs and then you've got your like micros, like and Minnesota created something called a mezzo, which is almost like a baby MSO for lack of a better term. I think you can be full vertical, but you can only have a maximum of like three to five dispensaries. And there's some sort of like canopy restriction, which in my opinion, I think is ridiculous, but We'll save I that mean, for another day. <laughs> I mean, it, it'd, be, it'd be odd to have a state rollout without any sort of uh, ridiculous restrictions. But uh, I think New York did a really good job of adding to the New York Minute uh, based on the speed that they did. Maybe a little surprising <laughs> for some, but... Yes, uh, definitely. I don't know why people were complaining that it's so slow. It's like, I again... Think people, I think people like uh, don't... Like they get excited and then the process takes a little longer, but it's it's a very challenging process. And I think that's the one aspect I wanted to highlight with your role there, especially at Dutchie, is just helping someone who who is getting started, get started the right way because there are a lot of critical steps that go forward. You don't you can't just go to your normal POS system or go to Home Depot mm-hmm. and buy all your normal stuff. You have to do things a little specifically based on some of the requirements and the rules and the regs. And I think one of the things that makes me most excited about having this conversation today is is the the dispensary showroom experience that your team kind of rolls out. And I would love for you to kind of yeah. walk us through how that works and highlight, you know, how it happens. Yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. So um, back in, I believe back in December, there was like Schumer was in town and there was this thing called like the Bronx Cannabis Hub. And it was this like incubator for about like 40 social equity, like card applicants. And it was all over the paper. And I had reached out to the Bronx Cannabis Hub and one of the co-founders of the Bronx Community Foundation, Desmond Lewis, like he reached out and I was really surprised he reached out. But after talking to him for a while, he like it was apparent that all of the applicants that they were representing who had applied for a card license, they had never been inside a licensed legal dispensary before. So when you think about, it's like, okay, setting setting folks up for success. It's like, how do you expect someone to successfully run a licensed legal dispensary? They've never been inside one before. And not everyone really like wants to go out of state, like, you know, New York's the center of the universe, right? (laughs) Um, Why go anywhere else? And we didn't necessarily want these illicit bodegas to be folks' like point of reference on how to open up a dispensary. And so through that and through like working with some of our amazing partners, like for example, like Temeca Group that has been doing a lot of the construction for a lot of the the New York uh, dispensaries today and like Kaya Push and Cannabis Workforce Initiative, even Marino, it's like we all band together and collectively, we decided we're like, you know, we're only successful if New York is successful. And New York is only successful if these card licensees are successful. It's like their success is our success. A rising tide lifts all boats, right? Like, you know, the saying. And so through that, we created this dispensary showroom, which we piloted in the Bronx at the historic post office just off of Grand Concourse. We got feedback that it was like the most exciting thing since like the Yankees, like at the Bronx, which which was really flattering. And it was a huge success. And we just like start getting feedback. We're like, when I was like, where else are you going to do this? Like we need, we like need this in upstate. We need this in Western New York. Like we need this in Long Island. And so we like thoughtfully took the time to put together a tour. And we like intentionally did not have any stops in Manhattan, like or Brooklyn, A, because like there were already dispensaries that were starting to open there. But, you know, like going, you know, going to Buffalo, going to Rochester, going to Long Island, like why should why should Brooklyn and Manhattan have all the fun when it comes to events, right? And so when it comes to again, like giving safe and easy access to cannabis, it's like these are the folks that maybe don't have events happen in their area all the time. And I will say it's like when you have an event like in Rochester, in Buffalo, like in Long Island, it's like folks show up. <laughs> they show up and they they show up with a vengeance. So it's it's been really, really, really great. It's been a lot of work. But I can only great. imagine. It, it's it's <laughs> fascinating to hear you say, you know, how are people who've never been inside a dispensary expected to be successful without actually seeing one prior to kind of initiating that journey. So I'm curious to know when these people walk in for the first time, right? And they see the showroom, which I'm assuming is kind mm-hmm. of like staging a house for the first time, right? And you walk yeah. in, 
are they surprised by certain things? Can you see it in their face? Like how, how does that interaction go? Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. So, you know, of course, like our showroom is just like one, one rendition and one concept, right? But, but yeah, folks are definitely surprised. Like they'll walk in. It's like, it's very welcoming. It, it feels more like general retail instead of like either a pharmacy or, or even like a bodega. I really don't know like what, like what that point of reference is too. And I think like the feedback initially, when we did the first one, they looked around, they're just like, I don't know if I can afford this. It's like, this is like, how much is all of this going to cost? And you'd be surprised. It's like, it's it's a lot more affordable than people think. But then at the same time, it's like, it is a bit of a reality check too. It's like, so whether or not you have a card license and you are going to take adva- work with DASNY and take advantage of the social equity fund, it's a business. It, you can't just like, you know, renovate a store for like $10,000 and and call it a day. It's like, it's an actual like viable business. Um, It's really hard. Like normal retail is is really, really hard. Cannabis retail is really, really tough. And and so just at Dutchie and like even myself on a personal level, like I, I do believe that dispensary operators, they have the toughest job in the world. They're at frontline and, you know, they're, they're always getting feedback from consumers that like I think we we forget that because we're in the industry, we live, breathe, and eat this industry all day. Like we know that it's like, okay, that's a licensed dispensary. That's not a licensed dispensary. The stuff that the licensed dispensary is selling is not their stuff. And the price point that they're selling it at is because of all these, like whether it's like potency taxes and like various taxes, it's it's like a certain markup. But like the consumer, when they see that, they're like, oh, this stuff is old. Like you're trying to rip me off and this and that. And then you see it in the Google reviews and and like, those are my clients, right? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> they're actually trying really hard. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have like the over-regulation of like, okay, you you can only put like, two signs up and like, heaven forbid, they're neon. Like they can't be neon. They can't be lit up. They like, you can't see them. (laughs) Whereas you've got the, like the illicit shops that are like flashing neon all day. And, you know, it's just, it's a tough industry. And so at Dutchie, we just try to do what we can to, to help out the dispensary operator. You probably build a bodega for ten grand, right? <laughs> you tell me, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any features that new dispensary or people that are looking to kind of build a dispensary when they come to your showroom? Is there any features that they just are completely blown away that they didn't know was required to to have a dispensary operational in New York? Yeah, I think the exciting part it's like you know when you first walk in, there's there's like you need to check ID, right? And there's different ways to like fulfill. The obligation of checking ID. Um, one feature that we have is, you know, an ID scan to make sure that your ID is like not expired. Um, it's not a fake ID. We don't store the ID information like without consent. So there's there's almost like little like micro moments of like, oh, I didn't even think that you know you can't store someone's ID without their consent because it breaks like privacy laws. Um, and so as you go through and like go through the dispensary, it's making the sale is one thing. But I think folks really get excited when they look at the back of house part. Like there's a vault there. We built it to scale. And then we have the the shelving with like all the inventory. And then there's like an area for quarantine. So if if an item's like returned or if it's faulty, it like physically cannot be in the same like shelving area of the rest of the inventory. So there's there's like little details like that. Um, and then also like the security component, right? Like from a compliance standpoint, and this is something that comes up during your inspection is like, you need to have the security cameras placed um, a certain way, like in certain locations um, with certain angles. And that's like a key component to passing your, your inspection as well. So I think like those details, especially the back of house stuff, where even if you did go inside a dispensary, it's like, more often than not, like you, you never get the chance to see what happens behind the scenes and, and the back of house components. So that's the stuff that gets people really excited. Yeah, it's massively important because I'm not really sure how you could potentially ever see the back of a house of a store if you've never just kind of wandered back there, which probably most haven't done that. 
yeah. kind of expanding on that. You know, is anyone else doing this? Is this just Dutchy? Because originally Dutchy was a software provider, and I know it's evolved, and this is being a critical component, which probably made a massive value in the industry. So, is anyone else doing this? Uh, not that I know of, and and it was really it was really flattering actually. So we've like since then we've heard from Minnesota, like Minnesota's heard about this dispensary showroom. Like in New York, they want to roll it out in a few months. Maryland as well just just turned on, and they heard about the dispensary showroom, so they want to do something like it. So we're just figuring out the logistics of how we can how we can roll that out too. And I don't think anyone's really doing this right now. And this really just like, you know, it came from a need where, you know, it was the right thing to do. And again, like when the dispensary operator is successful, then we're successful. Also on another note, and and like, I don't, I don't know how many events that you've gone to, but I think like the industry in general, and especially myself and at Dutchie, it's like, we're getting a bit of like cannabis conference fatigue. So it's like, how many how many more conferences do we need to go to that have like beige carpet and like <laughs> fluorescent lighting where it's just like a bunch of booths and like from our side, like we spend a lot of money on these events and the ROI is like, okay, at the end of the day, are we going to meet dispensary prospects, right? And a lot of these events, it's like you end up meeting some really great people but they're all partners or like they're all looking for dispensary <laughs> dispensary prospects as well. You spend a lot of money. And at the end of the day, like the only folks that actually really get the ROI from it are probably like the event planners. So it's the dispensary showroom. It's come out of necessity because from an educational standpoint, but really it's like we want to just looking at the types of events out there. And there's going to be some events that, you know, you just have to go to or you're just using as an excuse to go to so you can like meet people and like set up your in-person meetings. But really, I think that there's there's a way to disrupt the cannabis event industry. So you don't have to be paying like, like hundreds of thousands of dollars to to have a booth and where you may or may not meet dispensary prospects. And And I think having things like the showroom where it's, like intentional, um, it's it's catered towards like future dispensary operators and give people a reason to show up. I just think like the business will come coming out of that if you do things for the right reasons at the right time with the right people. Like I sincerely believe that the business always comes after. Like it's it's like a a karma thing. <laughs> It's wild to me because the showroom is so obviously needed. And it's something that I'm like, oh, wow, this hasn't been done before. So, yeah. um, I mean, it's it's wild, right? Like, I was like, hmm, that seems like it's absolute necessity for someone trying to launch a dispensary. Um, and so making that decision as Dutchy and actually implementing, talk us through the process of something like that. Because it seems like there's a lot of parts to it, a lot of approvals required. It's going to take a lot of money. And Dutchy kind of gives the, that corporate vibe sometimes in the cannabis space. So kind of talk us through like that whole process of getting that idea into action, if you will. So the the showroom that we did at the Bronx was was a proof of concept and, and a pilot. We actually didn't know that we were going to be like touring this all over. So when folks saw that, like that alone, I think just gave us the credibility that that we needed for like other folks to come on board. And so it was like we were lucky enough to have a lot of partners like such as like Tameka Group and Kaya Push and and Cannabis Workforce Initiative, which is uh, a subset of WDI like in in New York. Like so they, you know, their whole thing is workforce development and cannabis education. Um, so we were lucky enough to partner with them. And then they've been really instrumental in getting this off the ground, like both from like a contribution standpoint, um, and then also from a promotional standpoint as well, too. So yes, it's like getting the sponsorship dollars, um, having partners who who are committed to doing the entire tour with you as well. And then also like Tameka Group, like they graciously donated uh, all the furniture and the setup. So the great thing about it is that the setup in the dispensary showroom is actually to scale and it actually is reflective of some of the dispensaries that, the live dispensaries that they built in New York like which which is really cool as well too and then many of 
you know, many of our sponsors, like they, um, they've done the security and they're doing like the HR and the scheduling, like they're all, we all actually work together in New York already, like in, in real life. (laughs) And so it was, it was a natural progression for us to also do the dispensary showroom where we could share, like share stories of like what, what it was like to launch like smacked or like dazed or just like some of the other dispensaries uh, in in new york today so it was yeah it's it's a lot of coordinating a lot of work like you need a good event planner and i've got a really really great one (laughs) and also it's like with just again like being at at dutchy it's something that was very unconventional it's like we're not event planners but you know i really believed in the mission and i'm i'm grateful to be at a company that believes in me. And at the end of the day, we're doing the right thing for the right reasons. And and ultimately, like we've seen the ROI come out of it. I can only imagine. And I'm just assuming if you compare what you spend on a normal trade show where likely your customers are not there versus dispensary showroom experience where the people showing up are interested in starting a dispensary or have a license and looking to start one. can only ima- yeah. imagine how that funnel breaks down. But as we all know, Dutchie is a core component uh, from a retail experience, but sometimes events happen that are unfortunate. And I'd like you to talk a little yeah. about the 420 event just to give some context. Oh, the 420 event. Yes, thank you. Thank you, actually, for giving me the space to to clarify a few things. Um, so during 420, it was, was unfortunate um, where we did run into an issue where our e-commerce solutions, so our online menus... We're, we're down for a bit. Um, and it was, you know, it was due to, uh, a, you know, just a, another third party provider, like not trying to take blame. Like we, we own, we own the outage, uh, the e-commerce outage. Thankfully it was e-commerce again, not, not trying to downplay it. Um, but our point of sale. So if you're in store, um, it was just a matter of like pivoting. So if your online menu wasn't working, like we had to, quickly pivot. Um, dispensary operators like unfortunately had to quickly pivot to be like, you know, we cannot take online orders. Please go in store. Um, and and yeah, our our in-store operations, we we had like a, a record high like that day in terms of the number of transactions and the dollars like processed through a point of sale. That being said, it's it, it is really unfortunate that that happened. Um, but as a result, like we have talked to every single one of our clients. Um, and taken full ownership of the issue. Uh, and in return, um, we are actually crediting all of our clients um, the estimated number of, of profits lost uh, during that time um, because we just understand like what, what a significant day that is. And even though we had taken you know, steps to, to try to prevent it, just like shit happens. <laughs> and it's not, you know, it, it's really how you recover. And yeah, we'll continue to to work together and, and collaborate. And, and then we, since then, we've also produced a root cause analysis report just to give assurances of like what happened, um, what Dutchie's doing about it, and how are we sure that that won't, won't happen again. I think that's great. And I'm glad that you shared on that because your team could definitely have not you know assured those profits back because that's a really challenging position to put your team in. And I think Kellen and I know pretty well how hard software is and how bugs can <laughs> uh, appear at always at the worst times. And sometimes it's just a matter of just like, there's nothing you can do. And that's really, really challenging. And then just continuing on that path, I did hear a rumor that Dutchie sells data. Can you... Confirm or deny that? We do not sell data. I know. And I think like the rumor actually happened, started happening in New York because we like as part of our like card social equity pricing, it's our pricing is zero dollars like for 24 months. And you know, being I've <laughs> I'm getting more and more in New York, but like when folks are just like, it's too good to be true, like so it must be like you know, how are you making money? Full disclosure, we make money off of payments and insurance and and you know other markets, um, so that's how we make money. But I think that there was a rumor going on that it was zero dollars, and the way we were making money was that we we sell data, and we absolutely do not sell data. And the reason for that, it's like our north star again has always been dispensary first. And so when you think about like the selling of data, all of a sudden it's like if you think about who you would 
hypothetically sell data to? It would be probably to brand. I mean, I'm just assuming, right? So once like once you start opening up that area, like already like the focus and the North Star is not there anymore. And then we also believe that everyone's data should be their own. It's like we we know that there are dispensary operators, not necessarily in New York, but like in, in other markets, like they sell their own data and they have every right to sell their own data. And some folks use that as like a, you know, just a, a primary revenue source and a private primary revenue stream. And so if we were to do the same, like we would ultimately be competing against our own clients and putting them out of business. And that's just something that we're we're not gonna fuck with. <laughs> I think it's really important to understand like the trust factor, right? As a software platform and as that mm-hmm. continues to aspire, if there is no trust, there becomes additional challenges even layered on to the cannabis ones. And I know one of the things that I'm most excited about to ask you today is kind of some of the good programs that Dutchie does working with the politicians, trying to help advance the industry because I've heard from some of the people that, you know, all the bigger companies, they never do anything to help the cannabis industry. They're all to help themselves. And I know for a fact that Dutchie does not do that. They advise to help lobby on behalf of the industry. So I'd like you to expand on that. Yeah, it's really exciting. Like sometimes, sometimes I feel like we're in a movie or something like that. Whenever I talk to um, my colleague Brian Brash, who's our, our VP of Legal and 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 External Affairs, it's like uh, and and like some folks on our team, they're just like, oh, I was just like on the hill today. <laughs> um, so so yeah, some of our initiatives that we're really excited about, like number one, lobbying to get rid of 280E to, to give cannabis retailers a chance at just being like regular retailers, right? To be able to, you know, just like write off their expenses, right? Just like a very basic thing. Um, and then the other part is safe banking, right? To be able to have a bank account. And even in Canada, where where um, cannabis has been federally legal for over four years now, there's no guarantees that you can get a bank account. So being able, like passing safe uh, would be huge. And then that would also hopefully, you know, just help help basic business needs, like getting a bank account, um, being able to use like, alternate like payment options, like a cash only business is always like really, really dangerous from like a security uh, and a safety standpoint. Um, but the 280, like lobbying to get rid of 280, like that, that would be huge. Um, and I think that this is going to happen in our lifetime, um, which is really historic. Uh, and it's not every day that you get to be part of history. So I'm really excited for when the day comes, hopefully. And I've heard that 280E actually affects dispensary owners significantly more than operators like further up the supply chain because they can Mm -hmm. kind of play some more uh, creative accounting games, if you will. Um, But I heard that dispensaries cannot play those games. So they actually get the full brunt of 280E where other companies... is, Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, that that is that is definitely correct. And so, I mean, I'm not an accounting person. Me either. Me either. Me either. <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer. We've got a disclaimer here, right? It's like this <laughs> podcast is not. Do not rely on this podcast for legal or compliance or, or advice. creative accounting. <laughs> or creative. Okay. We like to say <laughs> compliance. <laughs> creative compliance. So, disclaimer. <laughs> um, but yes, I, you are you are right to assume that again. Like there might be creative ways to do it if you have like other sources of business. Um, but that's that's one thing that I'm definitely um, not the subject matter expert in. I just wanted to bring up the fact that your team is lobbying for cannabis companies to have basic rights as all the other companies operating in other retail spaces. That is the that is the goal is to have just be considered a normal business and to be able to open up a bank account, to be able to deduct business expenses and nothing more than that, right? Like just the basic necessities of running a business and it just continues to just... I know, again, there's there's just like, and and again, maybe it sounds like dramatic, but but in some ways it's like going back to like the second class citizen thing. There's just like this open okayness for discrimination for cannabis retail. So let's say I told you, I'm just like, oh, I like looked at this space to open up my business. And the landlord said it was like $2,000 a month. And like the restaurant next door, they pay $2,000 a month. But all of a sudden, 
now I have to pay like 10 grand a month. Like if you heard that, you would be like, what the hell? Like, that's like, that's not fair. Like you should go to the media. Like you should like report them. You should sue them. But then as soon as I say, I'm like, oh, it's for a dispensary. All of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. Or it's like, oh, I can't get a bank account. They rejected me. I've got like perfect credit. You would be like, no, that's like not right. Like that's total crap. But as soon as you say you're in the cannabis industry, they're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I can't wait for the day when cannabis retail is just retail. <laughs> and we're, we look back at some moments and we look back at best practices that cannabis retailers have done because like some of the most successful and hardworking folks that I've ever met in my lifetime are in the cannabis industry and they're all dispensary operators because they're like, they're scrappy and they need to hustle. And it's like, they're doing it for the love. They are not doing it for the money. I can tell you that. For sure. Is there a tool Dutchie provides that retailers should be paying more attention to? Ah, it is coming. I'm so excited about this. So we have... I can't... I wonder how much it's I can just, give away. It's a safe you heard it first on the <laughs> You heard it first. Um, we are coming out with uh, some some really creative like payment solutions. Um, but more excited, like something I'm really excited about is that we've been we've been playing around with like AI and like everyone's using ChatGPT now. Like everyone watches Netflix, and so like these like recommendation engines and using using AI to like run your better business um, to to like not only for dispensary operators for the end consumer to use AI to help them find the product that's right for them and and also recommend future products. Uh, so that's coming. That's something I'm really, really excited about. And we should be previewing that, I think like before the end of the year, I want to say. I mean I'm not in product development. So, <laughs> but I've been told we should like, yeah, it's, I'm really, I've seen some, uh, I've seen a sneak peek and it's, it's something that's coming up and like, no one's ever done this before. Like not, not, not even like in the regular retail space. So it's like, I, I have it in me that like cannabis retail will, will be the best practice of, of retail. Is there a common question or concern first time retail dispensary owners ask? What should my opening order be? <laughs> How much should I order? <laughs> and I'm like, you, you all, we can't tell you that. <laughs> um, they always ask that. And then some folks are just like, oh, you're already working with so-and-so. Can't you just copy their product catalog and like put it in my catalog so I don't have to like fill out this really long onerous spreadsheet? It's like, no, we can't. That's someone else's data. Like, how would you feel? <laughs> what, what should they be asking? What questions should they be asking as a first-time dispenser owner that you think would help advance their transition? So assuming that they don't have any like retail experience, I think like some of the things that not necessarily should they should ask, but like some of the things that they should be mindful of is just like hiring their team and then also just having having like a succession plan. So there's, you know, like by tender. Like bud tender turnover, like is a real thing. I believe the stats are like thirty to forty percent of your bud tenders um, will quit, and because there's not a lot of dispensaries open right now, like in in New York, it's like you see, <laughs> I'll go to a store open and you know see the staff there, and then a few weeks later there'll be another store opening, and I'm just like, you used to work there, and now you work here. <laughs> so I think like it's important to have. You know, treat your bed tenders right, treat your staff right, really invest in good internet. Like you would be surprised. It's like, okay, the thing, the software that is like running your whole business and keeping you compliant, like don't skip out on internet. Like don't have your like uncle like set up the router like in the back room, like inside the vault where it's concrete. It's like, you know, there's (laughs) Uncle Bill's got it. There's certain. There's just like certain things you don't want to skip out on. And then, I mean, maybe ask yourself, it's like how badly you want it. Actually, that's, you know, and and even the dispensary showroom piece, right? It's like, 
I want folks coming in if they're on the fence and thinking about opening up a dispensary, like maybe you shouldn't do it if you're not willing to really like not just work hard, but you can't do it for the money and there needs to be like something inside of you. So whether or not it's like just this unexplainable desire to like be part of history or be part of something bigger than yourself or like invent best practices that haven't been like created yet. Like there, there needs to be like a, another like force inside you to keep you going. But yeah, like really ask yourself like how, how badly do you want it? Cause it's not easy. There's not a lot of money. It's going to, we're an emerging industry. It's going to take a while before the illicit market, you know, goes away and it's hard. Like it's supposed to be hard. So you want something easy, don't do not be in the cannabis industry. It's not lazy stoner fun vibes. I think that's perfectly said. I think we've shared it's it's harder than you can ever imagine. And then it's even harder than that because I think sometimes people hop in for one reason and quickly realize it's not yeah. what they thought. Yeah, or they just think it'd be like a cool like side hustle yeah. or something. I mean, I, I guess that's equivalent to like, you know, say if you throw like really great dinner parties and then all of a sudden you open up a restaurant. It's like, those are two very, very different things. Yeah. What do they say about a baker opening a bakery? He'll never bake again, right? You guys heard <laughs> yes. that? Yes. And if you could sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass on to the next generation, what would it be? Uh, I think it's, I mentioned it before. I, I sincerely believe that if you do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons with the right people, just the business, the business will come. So it's, you know, it's whether or not you're in like sales or business development, or, you know, you need to meet like a certain quota. It's like, there's something really unique and special in this industry where there's like a, a bigger, a bigger fight or a bigger purpose. And people want to connect with other good people. Software is software. You can buy software from anyone, but like, who do you want? Like, who's going to be in your corner at the end of the day? And and I think that 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 is like rang true, and I believe that from the beginning, and it's it's treated me good so far. So, <laughs> right. that people, if you want to win, you want Anne in your corner. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I will. I mean, yeah, I will move mountains for you. Like I'm serious. That is a this is not just a job to me. Sales quote. Uh, all right, prediction time. You already alluded okay. to it, but we're going to ask anyway. And okay. as the cannabis consumer experience evolves, how is Dutchie planning to embrace personalization to create a seamless and frictionless transaction process for the customer? I think it's, you know, like what we look at, it's like we take something and the beauty about Dutchie, it's like we've got these like cannabis OGs that have been in the industry for a while that still work at Dutchie, but we also have like folks from other industries, right? And who are, again, like passionate about the industry, but they don't pretend to know everything about the industry. But through that, that's brought in like a melting pot of really creative ideas. So I, I think the secret is like taking something that feels very familiar, whether or not it's like Netflix or like how you order food or just like, again, like the chat GPT, like taking something that is familiar that folks are already doing and putting your own twist to it and putting it within context of of what you're offering is and and I feel that that's what what that's what we're doing at Dutchie and I'm I'm really excited to to see it come to fruition. Kellen, I'm going to agree about kind of slightly a little different. Um, I think that like creating the experience that consumers are used to when they're ordering other like common consumer packaged goods is going to be crucial to like breaking the stigma and having kind of mass adoption of cannabis mm. and, and having it be treated essentially like like ordering a beer or something else one of these like online platforms you know what i mean so Ooh, i see that's yeah. where the industry going like a grizzly kind of situation you know what i mean if they're still around i don't know um, yeah they are still around <laughs> all right, wait, deal, no, wait, no i i've got a follow-up question though so do you mean like let's say if you're you know if you're ordering like food and you know how how you like place your order, but you have like five minutes to like add on your other double order. order. Yeah, the yeah. double dash, the double yeah. dash. Yeah, maybe yes. I could order my cannabis, yes. and then I could get a chocolate shake picked up on the way home. You know, like I'm just saying, like I, I you know what I do, I do like that. I often question whether or not just like 
ordering cannabis online and just cannabis is is like enough. And maybe for some folks it is, but I think it like starts with ordering food first and then you can like add on add on cannabis or alcohol or like, I don't know, a phone charger, which is what oh, I did yeah. the other day. <laughs> you can get dick sporting goods now. It's wild, honestly. Like, I was like, what? Crazy. <laughs> I mean, just expanding on that, I dream of the day where I get to order, let's say I order an eighth of what's called melon tree. And it tells me that if I order a burger within the next five minutes, I can get 10% off or something like that. And just really quickly, guess That's what? I'm cool. ordering a burger with it. And I think the integration of the two of those platforms is likely where we're headed down the road. And I think the thing that I enjoy most about Dutchie is that the company started as one thing and has quickly evolved in order to provide mm-hmm. various services given the needs of the industry and given the needs of their customer and providing a full suite of tools to help them alleviate the endless, endless challenges of cannabis. And one can only hope that as we continue on into the universe, some of those challenges will be reduced and the experience for all the parties involved will be easier. Hopefully. I mean, folks are like, why are you offering insurance? And we're like, why not? <laughs> it's like, Very hard to find insurance. It's literally so hard for like, I mean, a lot of our dismen- a lot of our clients are not insured. <laughs> That's not okay. So we just started offering insurance. And right. And I'm, I'm assuming what happens in that relationship is they find a, a person like yourself that they trust and they ask those questions. And then you mm-hmm. go seek on the internet or valued partners can't find that. And next thing you know, you have an yeah. internal conversation about adding another value service inside so that that same customer who has a problem and a need can provide a service, which is how all businesses kind of evolve. Yeah, insurance exactly. is also a very successful business, you guys, right? Like one insurance them. companies are probably one of the stronger entities in the world. So it's not a bad business play either, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is a lot of risk. Like we do put a lot on the line, yeah. especially in cannabis insurance. But we think that it's, again, the right thing to do. And yeah, ho- hopefully it'll pay off. And it's, it will. it's been good so far. Absolutely. Thank you. Kellen, so, yeah. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew, our listeners, they want to see a dispensary showroom and they're interested in proceeding, especially those here in New York. Where can they find you? Where can they get in touch? So the next one, the next big one coming out is in the Mid-Hudson um, area. So it's going to be in Poughkeepsie, uh, September 20th to the 21st, I believe. Otherwise, you could always hit me up on LinkedIn um, and send me a DM and I can I can share like the whole tour and the schedule for you too. Awesome. We'll link it up in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time. This was fun. Thank you. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Chicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.